We're reading today from the 96th Psalm, starting in verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all it contains. Let the field exult in all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And all of God's people said, You may be seated. We see here in Psalm 96 that it says we are to sing a new song, to sing for joy in the Lord, that we find that there is a new song to be sung, a song praising the Creator of all things, a song that says it is telling of His good deeds. In verse 2 it says they proclaim good tidings of His salvation from day to day. They talk of His glory among the nations. It talks about His great deeds. It talks about the great salvation that our God has provided for us. A song that praises Him even for just who He is as our Creator. Who He is in all of His majesty and His glory. Now I think of this and it says to sing a new song and I instantly think of all the mass of humanity, all of mankind being told, come and sing this new song of praise to the Creator. And certainly mankind is commanded to do that. But if you look at the text, it's even more. It says, let all the earth praise Him. Look at verse 5. It says, for the gods of all the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. And it points out that there is just one God. The God who has created us and made us. And it points out He is the Creator. And then look down at verse 11. It says, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. Do you hear it? This is a song that is, we're being told to join into. But it says that all the earth is to come and to praise its magnificent beautiful creator and we see him in the text here as the beautiful and splendorous one you look down at verse 6 it says splendor and majesty are before him strength and beauty in his sanctuary now listen i know that the language here is is figurative right and it's talking we don't expect that the stones will physically cry out we don't expect perhaps that the trees will actually raise their branches in praise but it speaks as though that is true, doesn't it? Doesn't Psalm 19 tell us that the heavens are declaring the glory of God? Have you ever, before we get into more into the text, have you ever been in a place that was really dark? 
away from all the light pollution in the city, where you could look up into the Milky Way. And just you're just overwhelmed by a sense of how tiny and small you are. And as you begin to think about it, you think the greatness and vastness and expanse of space, if it's that big and that glorious, how big is our God? Or perhaps you think of the Grand Canyon or some other beautiful place that you've been and you stand there and you look out and you see the very creation reflecting the glory of its creator. You're struck by the beauty and majesty of what He has made. And if what He has made is so good, how much better than the one that has made us? And that is the one to, the one to whom they are singing this song this morning. Now, as I think of that, it reminds me of Genesis chapter 1. If you want to turn there, you can. Genesis chapter 1, we'll, we'll, I'll pick up in verse 1 in just a moment. But as I, I read this text, I think we are to join in this song of creation, praising Him as Creator. And guys, I want you to know, just kind of to, to show us where we're leading with this, that this song, this new song that we sing in Psalm 96, was being sung in the beginning, and it's still sung at the end in Revelation. And so we're going to trace that a little bit just for a moment this morning. But look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. Guys, I don't know, if, I think we take for granted the fact that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That out of nothing he spoke and made all that there is. And I understand that there's people, there's good Christians. And, and I had a conversation this week with someone that, that think, you know, the days maybe weren't 24-hour days. And we can talk about that. But we all agree on this. There was nothing. And our Creator spoke and made it be. And we don't always understand the glorious processes that He went through. But here's what I do know at the beginning was just God. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit were there in the beginning, and they chose to create this world, and it would reflect their beauty. Every day of creation, did he not say, what, he looked at what he created and said, it was good. It was perfect. It was a beautiful world. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have stood there on those first days when the world was pristine and clean can you imagine the Christmas, how crisp the air would have been just to have stood there and marveled at what our Creator was making? The, just think of how the trees themselves really must have seemed to have just raised their branches up in praise of their glorious Creator. How the flowers of the field would have reflected His beauty and His majesty. A perfect world not yet marred by sin and death. And so the psalm this morning in 96 says, to sing a new song, and it speaks of Him as our Creator. Listen, in some ways, we are just joining in the song of all creation. That it is not a, a new song for the world. It is that all the earth has been praising Him since the very beginning. And we now, as we begin to get restored into God's presence, restored as His people, we recognize and join in that new song that we read about in Psalm 96. Now, it's not just there. I said I would trace this through, through the Scripture. 
I've already mentioned Psalm 19. You don't have to turn there. But it says very clearly, the heavens are telling the glory of God. It's declaring His handiwork, the works that He has done. And we see Him reflected in creation. But turn in your Bible all the way to Revelation chapter 5. We're going from Genesis all the way moving towards the end of history. Revelation chapter 5, I'll pick up in verse 6. And by the way, this is a throne room scene of heaven, right? We are getting a glimpse of the throne room scene of God. What is taking place in God's very sanctuary? So listen to what it says. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the book of the right hand, out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with the blood of men. From every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Did you hear it there in verse 9? Did you hear what it says? They sing a new song. What does Psalm 96 tell us to do? To sing a new song. When we get to the throne room of heaven in Revelation, they're still singing the song. They're still praising their Creator. It is a song telling of all of His good deeds in his glory. It's a song they sing here to exalt Jesus because he is worthy to break the seal. Which, by the way, you guys know what those seals are? He's bringing judgment on the earth. What does it tell us? If you don't turn back there because we're going to stay in Revelation for a minute. But at the end of Psalm 96, all the seas roar and all the things exalt him because he's coming to judge the world and his righteousness and his faithfulness. And so here we sing the same song. He's coming, the righteous judge. The righteous one is coming. And so they continue to sing this song. But notice who he is. He is the lamb that was slain. He is the one who has purchased out of every people and tongue and tribe and nation. He has purchased all men, all those that would come to him by his blood. Look, just continue. Just look down at verse 11. So we're in chapter 5, verse 11. I'll pick it up right there. It says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing in every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And all the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshipped. You see the throne as they worship him. Church, it must remind us of what we just read in Psalm 96. That together with all creation, all the earth, we sing this new song. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive the power, the riches, the wisdom, the might, and the honor, and the glory, and blessings. Look there at verse, well, we've already read that, so I'll skip that. But brothers and sisters, 
Isn't, isn't that what we see in Psalm 96? Where it tells us, sing a new song to the Lord. That the earth would come and sing and give him the praise and the honor and glory. Isn't that what we want to see? That is exactly what we find in the beginning in Genesis and in creation. All the beauty and his glory reflected there. It's what we find in Psalm 96. It's what we find in Revelation. Quickly, go with me to Revelation 15. Chapter 15, verse 3. It says, they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. Just take a look at that psalm. It says, Great and marvelous are your works. And they call him the Lord Almighty, the Almighty One, the Omnipotent One. He is righteous. His ways are true. He's the King of all the nations. And they say, who will not fear? Who would not come and glorify the name of the Lord? Isn't that what we're doing? We're exalting Him. We're praising Him. We're giving Him the honor and glory due His name. He, they even point out there that all the nations will come and worship before Him because His righteous acts have been revealed. Psalm 96 said, sing of his and proclaim his, the good tidings of his deliverance. The good tidings of his salvation to us. A hint of the gospel that was coming, of the redemption that God had in mind from eternity past. One last place in Revelation, then we'll get back to the Psalm 19. Take a look at Revelation chapter 19. Here, the world system, Babylon, has been thrown down. We see the rejoicing that takes place in heaven right before the marriage of the Lamb and the second coming of Christ. And so we find ourselves at the very end of history. Look at verse 1. It says, After these things, after all that has just happened, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who has corrupted the earth with the immorality. He has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. Look at verse 3. And a second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. You hear the command that came from the throne? Praise him. Join in the new song. Sing of his greatness, of his deeds that he has done. Then verse 6. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of many peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, He reigns. Do you hear that even at the end, the song is continued. They sing it, hallelujah, praise Him for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. So go back with me, church, as we're all called to join in that song. Go back to Psalm 96. 
we will all find ourselves one day singing that song around the throne of God, praising Him and serving Him, loving Him, declaring that all the blessing, all the power, all the glory is His and not our own. But look at Psalm 96. Look down at verse 7. Look, listen to the command. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Do you hear the command? Give Him the glory due His name. Ascribe to Him glory and strength. And then come and worship. That those things go together. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of His name. We praise Him and we give Him the glory just by virtue of who He is. It's His name. He is the Creator. He is our Savior. He is the one who loves us and cares for us. And we come and give Him the glory because it's His. And whether we praise Him or not, guess what? The glory is still His. But we are called to come and praise Him together to join in this miraculous song of creation, to join in this song praising our Lord. Church, He is good. He is the righteous judge. He provides deliverance for His people. He is the Lamb slain for us. He is the one who has purchased us from every tribe and tongue and people and nation by His own blood at the greatest of cost. He has paid that price for us. That is the God to whom we come to worship. He is the one that we come to this morning to sing songs of praise. He is our God. We give Him the glory due His name. Then it says to come and bring an offering and to come to worship in holy attire that all the earth would tremble before Him. Church, we're to join in the song of the Lamb even now, to join in the song sung in Revelation. We are those who have been purchased and redeemed. We can now turn and recognize our Creator to worship Him with fear and trembling, with reverence and honor. Now, there's one question every human being will have to answer in their lifetime. Every worldview wrestles with this question. So I don't care what religion you grew up with, what philosophy you grew up with. What we find is this. We have to answer the question, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why was I created? Now, every religion they might, and worldview, they might answer that question differently than we do because they don't come to the book to find the answer. And some philosophies will say, well, the truth is, there is no purpose to life. We're just cosmic accidents. And we come to this text, though, and what, no matter what their answer is, they must ask the question. We innately know it. Why are we here? We innately know to ask the question. There's got to be more to life than what we see, right? And we wrestle with it, and we begin to ask this. And this morning, church, we must answer that same question question. The question is, why are we here? We've seen the verses that we've already looked at. I also want us to think a little bit about how the church has been answering this question for a long time. 
You can go back centuries and centuries and look and ask, what did the church teach about this? What is our purpose? Why was I created? Sometimes we just, and people ask that all the time. And we wrestle with it. For years, the church came up with what they call catechisms. A series of questions, question and answers that from youngest to the oldest, you would learn. And you would begin to answer basic doctrinal questions. They didn't all have copies of the Bible. And so they learned it a little bit differently than we did sometimes. But they would go through these questions. And they would learn scripture to back up the answers. Even Baptists have done this, guys. But you trace this through history. And one of the questions they always ask is, what is the chief end of man? What is the purpose of mankind? Why was I created? Why was I placed here on this earth? You know, they always came up with the same answers when you really boil it down. You know what the answer was? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You can find that in different denominations. You can find that uh, in, in different forms as you look at different denominations, Baptists, Presbyterians. You can go through the different Protestant denominations. You can find it in some of the older Catholic writings. What we find is we have to wrestle with our purpose. Who are we? Why are we here? What is the chief end of man? And it is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That we were created for the purpose to bring God glory and reflecting that glory back on Him. We are called to worship Him, and that's who we are. It is our purpose. The second part of that answer, one, was to glorify God. The second was to enjoy Him forever. To walk with Him and know the relationship that we have with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. To know that God Himself has called us friend. To know that He has welcomed us into His family. That we would glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. That is why we were all placed here on this earth. It's the purpose that we find in the Scripture. Our purpose. So we say that we come in church and we enjoy Him forever because He is good. He is marvelous and beautiful. He's merciful and strong. He cares for us. So we don't come to worship this morning out of obligation. We don't come because there's a law that says, well, you must come down there and worship. We don't sing songs out of boredom. We sing because He's asked us to come and join in the song of all creation to praise Him, to come and to worship and fall down before this great God who has made us for this very purpose. It's there in Genesis 1. It's there in the throne room of God in Revelation that all those things are true. No matter where we go, we sing the song of the Lamb. We sing of His glorious majesty. Since I've been here, and really before we even moved to Athens... As soon as we accepted this position, and we begin to pray, right? What is the vision for this church? And we're going to continue to talk about this in days to come, right? Where, what do we want to see happen at Forest Heights Baptist Church? What do we want to see happen in this community? And I'm not here to lay out a vision statement and a mission statement for you this morning, but I tell you, it always comes back to this. I want to see a multitude of people. Glorifying God and worshiping Christ in a healthy church. And you can sum that up. You can, you, can, 
you can flesh that out in all sorts of ways. But isn't that the basic heart of what we want to see happen? And you know that the theologians tell us, and we read in the Bible, we begin to look at this, that they kind of put this together and realize missions exist because worship doesn't. Why do we do outreach? Why do we want to reach the community? Because they don't worship. And God is worthy of all the worship. And He's good and loving. And he's provided deliverance for them. But they don't know. And so like, we want to be a healthy church. We want to make sure our kids grow up knowing how to glorify Jesus. We want them to learn the scriptures. And it takes work to do that. We want to make sure that our young families, as they're working, realize, hey, as you go through your job, that's part of the way you glorify Christ, right? God has called you to that vocation. He's called you to be good parents. That all of life asks this question, how do I glorify Him? We want our senior adults to know, listen, as you get towards those golden years, those end, that you move towards the end of life, your life is not over. God still asks you the same question. Hey, Will you glorify me? Will you use the time you have? In Scripture, we even find examples of those who are older and, and widows who were devoting themselves to prayer and to the Word of God. And we think, hey, in all stages of life, from children to our adults to our older adults, you look at all that lifespan and, the, and their purpose remains the same. Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so we begin to ask ourselves, how can we do that as a church? That is your task right now in the coming weeks is to continue to pray and ask that question. It's Forest Heights Baptist Church. How do we bring God the most glory? How do we make sure that people out there come to glorify Him as well? You see, Jesus says, listen, at the end, every knee will bow, right? Some will bow willingly and some will not. Why not take the message of salvation to them now? And church, this question of how do I glorify God, my purpose, it applies to us as individuals. It says here in the text, after this, it says to come and worship the Lord in holy attire, to tremble before Him all the earth. And there we are also to make an offering. The New Testament tells us that we are the offering. To lay our lives down as a living sacrifice. And so even with our very lives, we acknowledge He's the Lamb who's purchased me out of the world. And he's purchased me and my life is now his. It's forfeit. How can I then glorify God with my life? And it's the same vision for our church, just on a bigger scale. As a church, how do we bring him the most glory? Now, you guys have a, a budget, right, that we handed out. And we tend to think that's, take that stuff for granted, right? You know what we should ask ourselves when we look at that proposed budget? How can we bring glory to God through that. And even more important, when we interact with each other on business issues and the, the, doc, the work that we have to do with the church, we need to ask ourselves, and how I deal with my brothers and sisters, am I glorifying Jesus? And if we can, as a church, get a hold of that vision that everywhere we go is to glorify Jesus, all those little arguments start falling away. And listen, we're not even having bad arguments. I'm telling you this beforehand. That all of our purpose as a church comes back to that vision statement. Why do we do worship the way we do? It better be to glorify God. Why do we study the scripture? To exalt Him. Why Anything that we do as a church, we have to ask ourselves, are we bringing Him glory? 
And is there a better way? We want to be certain of who we are. But you know what I've also discovered since I've been here? I've, been, I've talked to people of the association. I've gone down and talked with Tommy Fountain at the BCM. I've talked with other pastors. And you know what they tell me about Athens? So if you come inside the loop of Athens, you've got about three healthy churches. I don't know what three those are. I didn't ask all those questions. And they said, you throw in some non-denominational ones, or you, you might get four. There's a, you know what that tells me? There's a lot of lost people in Athens. A lot of lost people. You know what else it tells me? There's a lot of Christians living not for the glory of God, but unfaithfully for themselves. Or those churches would be healthier than they are. So here's the challenge, is we have a vision for our church. How are we going to reach, how are we going to be a healthy church? How are we going to reach Forest Heights community? Because we want to see a multitude of people here worshiping Christ in a healthy church. But we also want to see a multitude of people worshiping Christ in healthy churches in Athens. And we've got to begin to think, how do we partner together? And how do we help and join alongside some of our sister churches here in the city? How do we pray together? Do we have a plan to reach not just our community, but Athens? And we have to begin to think that way. You know why? Because our God is a great God. And He has said all the earth will join in this song. And so we want all of Athens to join in that song. And that is our goal. We have multiple visions. We have plans and mission statements for our lives, goals for ourselves to bring God glory, goals for our church And then we begin to look bigger at the city. How can we be part of what God is doing in Athens? What I want to convince you of, church, and if I haven't already, is this. That God's glory is everything. From beginning to end, what do they all do? They fall down before Him and worship. To Him is the dominion. To Him is the glory and the honor. So we always pray to the sin, is this what will bring God the most glory? Will it bring our people to glorify Him even in the practical issues? I'm going to, in just a moment, we're going to go to a a time of invitation. And as we think about this song that we're going to sing, I chose it on purpose. And if we can, let's, let's sing it a little upbeat. Because it's talking about, we're, we have a story to tell, right? We're going to sing it for all of eternity. And it's a song to join in this song this morning. That, isn't it cool that when you get to heaven, you're going to need that, that old, old story that we know? It's going to be the same one we're still singing, isn't it? Isn't that what we found today in Psalm 96 and in Revelation? That we keep joining in the same song because why not? He's glorious. He's good. Let's continue to praise Him. Now, last challenge this morning. If you are a man, when we sing this song, you as the head of your household, you as the one God has said, you know what? You're accountable to me. You need to be the first one to join in this song. To sing with abandon, 
to sing loudly the song of all creation. I don't care if you think it sounds bad. I will tell you this. The times I've been most affected by song and worship is when I've gotten around large groups of men who would sing and not care. That only had one thought in mind. We're singing for His glory. And there's a weakness in our church where we have been taught singing is what women do. Men, today when we sing this song, I don't care how bad you think you sound. I need you to sing it and sing it loudly. You know, we're commanded in this text to sing for joy in the Lord. You know, in, in, you go to Ephesians and you know what it tells us there? To sing hymns to one another and spiritual songs. We're called to do it. And so all that we've seen today, all that we have read in, in Revelation, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go all the way to Revelation 19, and I'm going to ask them to go ahead and come on up. And I'm going to read you this, and I want you to think about that old, old story, the salvation given to you. And I want you to sing for joy this morning, not because the pastor said to, but because you want to praise the glory of our Creator. You want to praise Him for all that He is. And the four, 24 elders, the four living creatures, fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. Amen.